Hello, and welcome to King of the Ride podcast. Ted King here, your host for the show today and always. Our guest today needs no introduction if you follow the world of off-road riding and off-road racing here in America, but let me give you one anyhow. Keegan Swenson, your multi, multi, multi-time national champion on a mountain bike, current Leadville champion. He's won the Telluride 100, the Breck Epic. He took the White Rim FKT not once, but twice. A recent Everest world record holder. He's podiumed at Cape Epic. He just ran second by the slimmest of margins at Unbound here in 2022. Yes, sir. That Keegan Swenson. This kid spews talent. He kicks out Watts. This podcast doesn't usually dive deep into the aspects of pure bike racing, but Keegan is a pure bike racer, so why the heck not go that route? We are, of course, in the era of the Lifetime Grand Prix here in 2022. This is the gravel and mountain bike series consisting of six races over the course of the season. And it was early on in this series that I said, holy moly, you know what? Keegan is going to win every single one of those races. It is a hard fight. There are a lot of great racers in contention for the top spot. We are now halfway through, and Keegan has won two out of the three races, and he ran second in the other yet was the top lifetime participant in the race, so he is basically three out of three. Next up, we're going to be racing Leadville here in mid-August. He is the reigning champion, so it's safe a bet, safe money to put another another win on the books for Keegan. He is kicking you-know-what and taking names. So I've lined up on the start line with Keegan a handful of times beginning, I think, at Belgian Wolf Ride 2021, I wanted to learn a bit more about this, this racer, this lifetime frontrunner. Who is Keegan Swenson, this fellow that I've seen in the headlines quite a bit over the past handful of years? But who is he? What's he all about? So from his home in Utah, he took some time generously from his training and racing and traveling schedule. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen, Keegan Swenson. Then, folks, welcome Keegan Swenson to the podcast, and not just folks, but Keegan, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, congratulations, recent win at Crusher and the Tusher, uh, home <laughs> state. It's it's a bit of a climby race, which I think suits you. Um, the the elevation profile I've been describing, folks, as the shape of an N. You know, up, down, up. Um, no, no, no down again. Well, yeah, that's the funniest part. Uh, Burke, who created the event, he told me, no, it's uphill the entire race. There was a time I was going downhill and someone's like, why does it feel like we're going up and, and beats me? And your teeth chattered out in the washboards and yeah, 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 yeah. You're not resting. There's, yeah. there's, there's no rest for the weary. Um, that was my t- first time doing Crusher. How about yourself? First, I believe. Uh, second. I'd done it once. Back in 2017, okay, so it was a little bit ago. How did how did that had pan out? Idea. How did it pan out five years ago for you? It was pretty good. Uh, I was second or third. I can't remember. If I was behind uh, Todd Wells and Robbie Squire. So, oh, right on. Those are not yeah. slow individuals. No, um, it was it's a good one. Okay, so then really fast forward to back then. <laughs> fast forward to the present. You 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 won last weekend. You won in call it 
uh, comfortable fashion with, with something like an eight minute buffer. How was the race for you? Awesome, hard, everything in between? Yeah, man, it was good. Um, I just love those races where there's not a ton of tactics and it's just, you just go all out, you yeah, know? Yeah. And, uh, there's a little bit of, you know, a little bit of, a little more skill involved, the descending and whatnot. And, um, yeah, it was, when I went, went relatively smooth, I was a little bit nervous when, uh, Howie's, Howie's chain came off on the descent because him and I were together and we were planning to, you know, work together across the flats and at least, you know, have each other to get, get to the climb again. Sure. But, uh, yeah, his chain just bounced off like 300 meters before the dirt or before the pavement. Sorry. We were so close. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, so I was on my own and I was like, well, I guess I'll just keep on chugging. And I was, I knew it was only about 10 miles of pavement, mm-hmm. you know, so on the flats, so I figured I'd be able to make it and yeah, worked out, but, uh, yeah, it was a good time. You know, I just, it was fun. It's the hometown race and everyone that everyone, I know a lot of people out there racing. So it was cool going back up, cold to crush. Everyone's cheering and having a good time. So yes, yeah. yeah, it, it was fun. It was impressive. Um, not least of which, because the race absolutely destroyed me, but Elevation is not my my favorite thing, so you know we can we can leave that alone. Um, yeah. Given given the results that you've had over the past year and multiple years at that point, do do you think that anything shy of a victory would have been a success in your book? Um, honestly, no. I I went there with the full intention of winning, and um, the course suited me really well, and it's. You know, it's also my home state, so I think, yeah, really wanted to win that one. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Would have been a bit bummed if I didn't. Uh huh. Um, so along the same lines, looking back at the past few years, you've you've had a great deal of success. Uh, can you name the last three races that you did not win? Unbound. Which I will qualify as you were also the first lifetime finisher. So in a way you did, you took a, you took a, that one comes with an asterisk, but I'll give it to you. Okay. It's like a, it's like a, that's like a consolation prize. Yeah. yeah, yeah didn't yeah. win, but it was close. Tallied 30 um, points. Unbound multiple K- stages of Cape Epic. Okay. Um, so that one, we, where we finished overall, I can't remember, we were like sixth or seventh or something overall. And, um, rest of we'd, that brown one podium one of the stages mm-hmm. um and then last year marathon worlds was seventh mm-hmm. so which which is yeah having heard you you dissect that race in payson's podcast uh to come back to seventh is nothing short of impressive as well so i was still yeah i, mean, I was still quite happy with that yeah you know, all yeah. things considered so. yeah um Okay, jumping way back, I'm I'm curious about I'm curious about your upbringing. Um, what is life like growing up? Uh, where were you? What's family like? Siblings? What sports were you playing? Were you academic at all? Give me the yeah man. Uh, give me grew up all. here in well, I'm in Heber currently, but grew up in Park City, Utah. Yeah, um, was uh, primarily a downhill ski racer actually, uh, and did you know mountain bike in the summers and played soccer and all that stuff, skateboard pretty much just all sorts of different outdoors stuff. Um, also rode dirt bikes and, you know, kind of a mix of all sports and kind of slowly gravitated towards riding my bike more and more. And, um, just both my parents did it. I used to ride in the back of the tandem with my dad, which was, you know, we going to Moab ride there. We were all the trails in park city and nice. then I kind of, you know, just slowly started racing and did the, like the local intermountain cup series. 
Um, and then went to my first national championships when I was 15 and yeah, it all kind of started snowballing from there. So, so how about, uh, one, do you have any siblings? Uh, yeah, I have one sister. Yep. Yeah. Um, one younger sister. So I heard, uh, sometime in the past couple years, you took the Everest world record, um, your parents were out there on the course, uh, helping mm-hmm. you out with, with, with feeds and whatnot. I mean, the logistics of something like that is, are not insignificant. Um, I mean, are you, are you presumably close with your parents? Were they, were they really supportive in all the stuff that you're doing was cycling a little bit outlandish? Well, I mean, you said you rode with your dad, but I mean, how, how was parental support for you? No, I mean, they're super supportive. Um, they've been you know behind me the whole way, helping me like, figure out ways to, you know, get out of different classes in high school. So I could take some online courses so I could travel and race more. And, you know, cause school didn't get out until, you know, two 30 or three o'clock. So I was always out at noon or one. So I had more time to train and oh, no um, kidding. it was easier traveling. So I took some stuff online. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, they're super supportive, you know, and then like you mentioned, anytime I'm doing anything relatively close to Utah, they'll come watch. They're down a crusher last weekend. Nice. They just camped out there and watched the race and you know, with the Everest, they, you know, came out and helped feed. And that was like a last minute thing for me. I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go Everest next weekend. And if you guys want to come help feed me, that'd be sweet. Otherwise I'll have to figure something else out. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, they're always down to help me with my kind of dumb, dumb ideas or whatever I want to do. So, well, well, the dumb ideas are, are excellent, presumably and, and largely as they revolve around a mountain bike. Um, so I got, correct me where I'm wrong here. I see, 2012 junior national champion you're jumping into the u23 ranks in 2013 and 14 in 2014 you're the u23 national champion you start racing elites after that you're doing well in 2017-18 basically when i look at results between 2019 and the present you're winning a lot um XCO national champion, short track national champion you tally leadville oz trails uh in 2020 you took Maybe you'd done smaller races at that time, but you, you won uh, Belgian Waffle Ride Cedar City. So the point being, there's a good diverse skill set in there on two wheels. I'm curious at this point in your life and in your career, how are you picking events um, since they span mountain bike, marathon mountain bike, 24 hours of Pueblo, gravel now? Right. How are you picking events? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, well, last year, in 20. 2021 you're going to tokyo i was like going to the olympics was a big goal of mine mm-hmm. um so i was fully focused on racing xco and i doubt me i did some gravel racing i did like you know some other like belgium waffle ride in cedar city and some other races here and there but i was pretty much fully focused on cross country um and then didn't make the the cut for the olympics so i just kind of pivoted and started doing all these races i'd always wanted to do and i always wanted to try and win so like leadville was a big one i was like that's a race i've always wanted to do so i you know, went straight for that one. And, um, yeah, then I was like, Oh, I want to do this race. And then I might, I was like, really wanted to do unbound this year. That was a race. I was like, a, for some reason I was like, oh, I want to go try and it just sounds nasty, big, yeah. hard, you know, yeah. and it's totally out of my wheelhouse. It's relatively flat, a lot of tactics, gravel. And I was like, it'd be really cool if I can win this race. Cause it's something I don't think I really, like I thought I could do it, but it wasn't like, you know, nearly as, uh, achievable in my mind as Leadville or these other races. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Grand Prix got announced. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. I can do all these races. And 
it's fun to do different stuff. Just what I've been for, for so long, I was racing the same world cup circuit, just chasing around these different world cups, bouncing around the world and racing on the same five kilometer track. So it's kind of been a fun adventure for me to race these gravel races and be, be able to do these races I've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's kind of how I've kind of picked them recently and the grand prix made it relatively easy. And then sure there's some other races I'd like to do, but at the same time, I also enjoy just kind of hanging out at home and training and focusing on these, these races. So I don't feel like I uh, have to race all the time, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's cool in that you get to, I mean, you, you get to write your own script now, presumably. Mm-hmm. Um, what is life like as you're pursuing, I mean, were the Olympics the number one goal for, for a handful of years or was it, okay, that would be a cool bit of icing on top of a cake or. Um, for a while it was kind of like, that would be the cool, you know, icing on the cake kind of thing. And then as yeah. it got closer, it came, became like very real that I could go. Mm-hmm. Like it was quite close between Chris and I. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was the goal, but I also like, didn't want to go like, I'm not trying to take away from anyone who just did go to the Olympics, but I like, I wanted to go with the goal of like actually having a shot at a decent result at like a top five or podium or whatever. And I didn't want to go and just be a participant. Mm-hmm. So like, if I did go, I wanted to be fully prepared and like have the ability to, you know, pull a good result. Sure. So, um, yeah, it's it would have been cool to go and maybe there's still a chance down the road to go, but, um, it's still not like in my mind, there's still other, a lot of other awesome things you can do on bikes that don't have all the Olympics. So heck yeah. Uh, well, right. You got Everest world record, uh, white rim FKT, which became, and has, has certainly become a very hot pursuit. Um, my guess is your answer is going to be similar to what you just hit on, but, but then how does, the adventure side of things fit into this, this schedule building on top of the events that you already have to do. Yeah. I mean, the FKT thing is pretty cool to me. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's kind of this whole relatively new thing that pacing kind of got going with the white rim a few years back. And it's cool. Cause you can go do like, I'd never done white rim for some crazy reason. It's basically in my backyard. You know, I've been riding a Moab since I was eight years old Yeah, and just, I'd never, I'd heard about it. I knew exactly where it was. I knew what it was, but just never done it. Uh-huh. And then a couple of years ago, I think it was 2019, first time I did it, I was like, eh, I'm just going to drive down next weekend. We're going to go do the FKT. Just send it. <laughs> Didn't really know. I just looked at the course. I looked at Payson, you know, watched Payson's video. Yeah. Looked at it on Strava, figured I was like one bottle, Camelback, bunch of gels. We'll just send it. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I got the FKT and then, you know, it got taken. So I wanted to go back and do it again. I made a little more conscious effort of what I had to do. And yeah, so it's, those things are cool because they're kind of unique and it's not, it's racing, but it's also self-supported and there's like the adventure side of it, which is pretty cool to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and at, looking back at the white rim, you're like, well, if I, you know, if I crashed out there, like probably no one would have found me for quite a while. And like, it's kind of dangerous, which is also kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Like I appreciate I kind of appreciate that. Yeah. Um, Cause racing is very, it's very sterilized to a certain extent, you know? Yeah. Um, even if some of the gravel races aren't the safest, which um, I know we've been talking about that, trying to make them safer because we're racing in a bunch and there's just so much that can go wrong and there's more cars involved. Mm-hmm. That stuff. There's just, I mean, there's no cars out on the white rim. There's Jeeps going 10 miles an hour at most, you know? So it's um, anyway, you're more in control of your own, destiny to a certain extent you're not going to get crashed because someone else takes you out or 
the yeah. car hits you or whatever. So, yeah. Do you race with yeah. a, when you do an FKT or maybe white rim in particular, do you race with any sort of track spotter or you just say, yo, if you don't find me, I'm going to be no. out there somewhere. I mean, uh, I think if I was going to do something bigger, if I was going to go for like the Colorado trail or yeah. like Arizona trail, something like that, I would have a spot tracker cause you're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and there is enough, there's people on white rim. If you go like during a reasonably warm time, like it's not hot, it's not too cold. There's people out there and yep. people knew where I was. Like someone would have taken my truck and confound me eventually. So sure. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. And there is random spots of cell service. Uh-huh. Um, but so yeah. you, you've ridden Moab since you were eight years old. I, with my tail between my legs, say I've never ridden Moab, which is a bummer. Is is White Rim characteristic of Moab? Is it a good cross section of the whole area, or like if I go to Moab, uh, where do I need to go? I think, I mean, the, the White Rim isn't like it's its own thing in a way. You get to experience a lot of what Moab has in the sense that like it's a lot of it's just like two track and it's like, sure, there's some rocks and some sand. And mm-hmm. the main thing about white rim is just the views. Like you're just ripping along like the edge of this massive cliff that drops off to the, down to the, there's like, I guess there's like a little river. There's a river on one side and then the others is just these big, big channels, you know, mm-hmm. um, you can see like off in the Canyonlands national park. And like sometimes when I was out there doing it, you just get like, you kind of zone out and you end up just staring off in the distance for a second. Cause it's so cool out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say it's like, if you were to go, it'd be, you would, you would love it just cause a lot of it's just like two track and it's not like super stressful or technical. So a lot of Moab is really hard yeah. and technical riding. And I mean, there are, now there's a lot more like mellow kind of cruisy trails, um, which is cool. You know, so there's more options for people to enjoy it, but I wouldn't say white rims, like it's not like Moab in a nutshell, I guess there's a lot more to it than that. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> So let's see, based on, based on interviews that I've heard you do in the past, um, you, you seem to be a detail oriented person in order to get the most out of yourself. So, I mean, abbreviations like FTP, TSS, CTL, I think are probably old hat to you. Um, I've heard you talk about having a nutritionist. I hear you batting ideas around with your coach. So the question is, how much do you, you of your success now do you suppose uh, has to do with like the meticulous dialed nature that you have in terms of performing and seeking the best out of yourself, as opposed to just having a better physiology than other folks, like a better a better strength to weight ratio? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, physiology and like just hard training and that stuff is probably the biggest factor. But I think those smaller, you know like nutrition side of things, all this other stuff allow you to like use your full potential in my, in my mind. So there's not like, you're not like, Oh, if I did this, I could go this much faster. If I did this, then it just lets you like, for me, it just lets me focus on the only thing I have to do. And I have like a a plan of, I'm going to eat this, drink this, here's what I'm going to do. And then it just takes like a little bit of stress and I don't really have anxiety, but it takes a little anxiety away from like the unknown in a way. Um, just lets me focus on racing and, and then, yeah, you just go. And then with the new equipment side, it's kind of the same thing. I'll, you know, make sure I have the right equipment and the right tire pressure and that stuff. And you're not second guessing what you have. And once you always show up to the start line to race, it's like, right, this is what I got. Whether it's right or wrong is irrelevant now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like at Unbound, I'd ran, you know, the slicks and they were fine for most of the race. And I, I knew once it started raining, I was like, well, that mud at the end is going to be 
horrible, but this is what I got. So we're going to figure it out and, mm-hmm. you know, um, make it work. But yeah, I think, I don't know. It's a good question. I didn't really put too much thought into that. Like I'm not super detail oriented about my training or like I would do a ton of crazy structure or intervals or whatever. We just do a lot of long, hard rides and we do do some structure, but it's not anything crazy. So yeah. I think uh, definitely a balance there. Cause I can't mentally, I wouldn't, I just wouldn't enjoy it. I don't like doing that kind of training and uh, whatnot. So, yeah, I was thinking of doing a rapid fire series of questions at the end. And literally the only question that I could think of is going to be this one rapid fire now and don't make it rapid fire because I'm, I'm, I want you to dive into it. The question is intervals or long solo ride? Oh, long solo ride for sure. Dude, I'd rather do a 24 hour solo than do like probably 10, five minute intervals. For yeah. Example. Okay. Yeah. I just uh, love just out, just riding. I could just ride all day. I yep. just can ride a solid heart, reasonably comfortable hard pace and just do it all day long. And sure. Yeah. Okay. That's Terrific deal. answer. Um, and yeah, I mean, man, what you were saying about, <laughs> it's like having the, the box checked for all of those things, you know, okay. Is my equipment dial is my nutrition dial that these are things that I don't have to think about as I'm out there for, for example, 200 miles of Kansas in an event that mm-hmm. is relatively unknown to you. Did you do much homework talking to other riders or do you largely like to just keep it in house and say, okay, it's 200 miles. I can figure this out with my nutritionist, with my coach and with a whole handful of hard rides. Yeah. I mean, and unbound was like kind of the only thing I thought about for a couple months leading into it. Cause I had, had never done it. And I just had heard, you know, all these stories about flats and it's so hard and the weather and, the heat and all this stuff. And it's hard to separate what's like real and what people are just so exaggerating because it is long and hard. And I think everything becomes different when you're out there for that long. So like yeah. maybe it just, everything feels rougher. Everything's harder. So I did like look at what people had done in the past and look at their tire choice and see what kind of worked and what didn't. And then also just kind of just like took, you know, thought about it, but also like, I'm just going to, here's, I'm, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do my own thing and kind of take a different approach to it. Russell Finsterwald and I kind of like thought about a bunch of different things and tested different setups in Tucson doing a bunch of big gravel rides and mm-hmm. the gravel riding down there is super rough and kind of gnarly. So I was like, well, if this setup works here, then it's going to work fine at unbound. I can't think of anything out out there. It's going to be any rougher, any worse than what we've done. Yeah. So like I went for the one by setup, which I figured it would just be a little safer, less drop chains and still had the gear range, still had the top gear and yeah, then worked on aerodynamics a little because as a mountain biker, my position on the gravel bike and road bike was always like pretty upright and I had wider bars. And so over the you know few months, I just kind of worked on getting lower and lower and longer and narrower. And now I think I've got, you know, one of the faster positions out there. I think it's on par with any of you guys who came from the world tour. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I think I put a lot of thought into it. It was kind of fun, new challenge, you know, cause I'd always mountain biking for me. It just became so normal and easy. I just knew exactly what I need to do and use these tires. Here's the suspension and all that. So unbound was a whole, whole nother can of worms. And then you have to figure out the feeding side of things and what you're going to grab, what you're going to pick up. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I don't know. I love that stuff. I thought it was really cool. I was like, I wonder what the next, you know, it'd be cool to figure out something else to do to yeah. you know, think about all this stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. well, for one, I'm psyched. You said you wrote a slick. I ran a slick in 2021. 
700 by 44. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I have no idea if this is true, but I, I, up to that point, I say I'm probably the, one of the first people to ever run a slick. Um, what did you run? I ran the, the Maxxis Refuse 40. Yeah. So it's their, like, it's their toughest tire they make. It's like substantially heavier and slower than the tire I ran, the Rambler that I ran at Crusher. Because mm-hmm. it has like an extra layer of protection over the top. And like the rubber itself, like like the slick has like a thick, it's not just like cape, tire casing. It actually has like rubber over it. Sure. Um, so yeah, it was like looking at all the different tire options. Like this seems like the toughest, thickest tire they have, even though it rolls a little bit slow. Like I think it's worth it. And maybe like the lack of knobs helps make up for like the slow rolling in the casing, which uh-huh. I think it does a little bit. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was, I think it was the right choice. I never, the only place that was a little bit dicey was in the mud, but honestly not much is going to be like maybe a tire with knobs is marginally better in there, but also if it had stopped raining, gotten really thick, then the slick's not going to collect any mud either. So I figured sure. the slick was going to be kind of the best all around choice for me. And I ran inserts. So I could run them, have a little more protection and not worry about pinching. And, um, yeah, they were good. I definitely would run them again. Probably will next year. Yeah. A, yeah. I'm psyched. You want to go back the first year I did it. I won it. And I was like, I'm not going back to this race. Don't this, need to go over, go back. Again. I don't need to go back. It took 11 months before I was convinced. So here we are, what, a month and a half out, and you're like, yeah, I could go back. Two, yeah, I think we'll probably, through this podcast, convince a lot of people to run slicks because I think they're faster. You're not diving into corners, so you can take a corner with you know a half a second slower and, and be perfectly fine without the knobs. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, you just want a super durable tire to take the, the punch. Like you just need of. to ride them a bit and like kind yeah. of learn how they handle. Cause they do like they drift a little more and like the way you have to turn them is differently than mm-hmm. a tire with knobs. So I think as long as you get the time on the tire and it's not like, Oh, I'm bounce here. Let's put on the slick. Like I rode that tire for months going into that race to like, yeah, make sure I was fully confident that I could hang with like in Tucson. Like I was like, okay, if I can stay with Russell on this descent on these slicks and he's on normal tires and then I'm good. So sure. We did a lot of like chasing out there and, testing different things so. that's a great example uh so yeah we didn't end up crossing paths we exchanged some messages when i was in tucson in uh february for a week and it was at that point you said you're going to be in tucson through unbound and i thought oh my god i mean i couldn't help but have fomo because i'm thinking heat acclimatization for unbound is is super important um i mean coming from new england right it's it can be like 50 right. degrees up until through through unbound so i'm gonna have zero uh, climatization here come race day it wasn't actually that hot at all am i incorrect in that i didn't end up going because no, we well, i mean it was like had a, a little bit humid and it got kind of warm a little bit but it definitely wasn't hot and honestly i was pretty bummed because i was really i was ready for the heat um so I was kind of hoping it was going to be a scorcher because I knew there's a lot of guys that weren't going to be prepared for it. Right. And uh, so I went back and forth for a while. I was like, should I go back to Utah and train, get some altitude and whatnot? Or should we stay in Tucson and train the heat? Because mm-hmm. I knew, and then it was like, May is going to be hot, but it's not going to be terrible. It wasn't so bad. I mean, the highest day was like 105, which is totally manageable as long mm-hmm. as you leave somewhat early. Um, so yeah, did a lot of work in the heat, had nutrition and hydration figured out because I had a few really rough days out there, man. Like few days in Tucson where I like fully fell apart. It was just limping home, ran out of water and yeah, it was rough. Russell and I had to stop at trailer park once and fill up. And after that, we were like, all right, three bottles pack. 
like we're just taking all the water we can. Yeah. Also like getting used to riding with the pack is big. Uh-huh. Um, and just used to have that extra weight on your back and make sure it doesn't cause any pain and whatnot. So yeah, it was worked out. It was fun. Good to train the heat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, checking all those boxes and, and as gravel rises to importance for sponsors and people. And I mean, it's at the end of the day, I think they're just fun. So I think as yeah, these events fun. continue to get super popular, dialing in those little details is important. Um, okay. Let's see. So you've ridden for some big teams, Cannondale factory racing stands pivot. You're riding with Santa Cruz now in this age of privateers. Are you, do you consider yourself on a team or are you, are you writing your own script or are you a privateer? And, and as I use the word privateer, let it be known. I kind of hate that word, but it describes what I'm talking about decently well. Totally. No, I'd say, I'd say we're currently on a team. I mean, Santa Cruz hit squad is like, it's a team, but we have a little bit of freedom to do what we want. Uh, we kind of make our own race schedule. Um, Got to have a lot of, we can have a lot of sponsors that aren't, like a lot of things are open, you know, helmet, shoes, eyewear, gloves, like nutrition, a lot of stuff that like, you know, it's nice to have, you can pick whatever you want, run whatever, I can run whatever saddle I want. There's like all sorts of things as I have good freedom, like a privateer, but at mm-hmm. the same time, I still have like some of the team aspect. You know, it's nice to have Tobin and Alexis there. We always have Myron and uh, Sam or Jordan. So it's a, it's an awesome squad and, and we have a good time and it's cool to kind of, I feel like it, a little bit of a blend between the privateer program and a uh, proper full team, which like there's been like, benefits and cons to each one, you know, like on a proper team, you know, you have like the team van or, or truck, whatever goes to every race. You have all your stuff in there. Mm-hmm. You have like this and that, or the privateer, you can do whatever you want. You know, you can have your, you can pick all, all the equipment, you can pick your nutrition, you pick your race schedule. Um, so yeah, it's nice to have a little bit of a balance there. And then, Stemming off that, I'm sort of curious the logistics of making that machine run. Um, I mean, you are from a uh, rider perspective and from a sponsor perspective, like you are enviable. You win races and you're a cool dude and people like you. So you could basically, you know, you could go seek out a heck of a lot of sponsorships. Do you seek out sponsorships or do you have a manager? Do you have somebody negotiating your contracts or are you managing all that yourself? No, I've got an agent, uh, manager, however you want to call him. I uh, work with uh, One Sports. So, yeah, they've been a lot of help for me when me kind of work because I, I don't like that stuff, man. Like, yeah, I don't mind talking to, you know, potential sponsors and whatnot, but it's hard when you get into like money and contracts and this and that. It's nice to have kind of someone in your corner helping you navigate all those waters. So, sure. No, yeah. no disagreement. I mean, I think it adds a level of professionalism to this burgeoning side of call it yeah. privateer right i mean definitely does yeah um how long have you been working with with a manager did you do that while you were you know racing for the the teams previously or has this been something more recent with um, the privateer program that's yeah, so i worked with michael a couple of years ago just after i think it was um right when stan's pivot was ending yeah. i knew that team was coming to an end and i wasn't sure we had like we we're putting together different privateer options and talking to different teams and then Santa Cruz kind of, you know, thing because it kind of snowballed and worked together and came up with this program. So wicked. Uh, yeah. Just the last couple of years. It's working. Yeah. Um, your, your f- 
call it physiology. Your strength to weight ratio is is world class. Since you've done mountain biking, mountain bike, uh, marathon racing, the pursuit of the Olympics, gravel, this, that, the other, is there anything else you want to do? Do you want to go try to go to the world tour? Do you want to race on the road? Or do you dig yeah, what you have going I mean, on I've now? I've definitely, definitely thought about it. It would just be, at this point in my life and career, it's like, it would have to be like a decent like contract offer. I can't just like, oh, I'm going to go stagiate for this team for x amount of time and miss all these races and yeah. miss you know miss potential earnings from racing gravel and mountain bikes and it's like i feel like i can't just can't gamble on that you know i can't gamble on like taking a a low a low offer from them and then be like oh maybe i can you know increase that over the years i win a couple of races or maybe i'm great at doing this and then i can make what i think i'm worth mm-hmm. so i think in my mind like they have to gamble they have to gamble on me and be like, oh, I think I think he can do it. I mean, I think he, obviously he's got the power to wait, and he can ride in a bunch. If he can ride gravel and unbound and all this stuff, then he's going to be just fine racing on the road. Yeah. Um, and you see like all the success you know, from Sepp and Nelson, and you know all these guys who came from the mountain bike background. So I think in some ways, like I think I can race, you know, with those guys. And I think yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, at this point, I'm like not super stressed about if, if they're interested and they want to try to give me a shot, then I would be willing to do it. But sure. I can't like step away from what I'm doing to, you know? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. I mean, it's, it's, it's cool to have confidence in what you were doing now and to have that confidence of saying, you know, you need to have the team come seek you out instead of vice versa. It's, it's really fascinating to me to see this changing of the guard. When I raced for liquid gas, we literally had it in our contract that it listed all the things we couldn't do. It said like no motorsports, no jet skiing, no paragliding, no, because we were an Italian team, they had this really ambiguous one, no three-on-three soccer. And then the end of it was, and no other dangerous activities, which I thought was frigging hilarious. And now, you know, you look at the EF program and it's, it's encouraged to go do other stuff. Like there is no way in hell I would have been able to race Leadville and now they're supposed to race Leadville. They're supposed to race unbound. So right. I don't know. It's, it's a cool changing of appreciation and changing of the guard to have this diversity. So, I mean, shoot, I think, I think it's got a heck of a lot of potential and I wouldn't be surprised if we see those, those teams come knocking. We will see. Um, what kind of stuff, what do you look forward to in the off season? Do you, do you put the bike aside? Do you still love to ride? Do you, do you like, how do you relax? How do you come down at the end of a big season? It's nice just to, you know, just go ride my mountain bike and do it on my terms and take the trail bike out, go ride Moab or ride some of the fits before it snows, go out and try and ride some of the high country trails here in Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, ride the dirt bike a bit. I don't get to do that in the season so much. So it's, you know, it's like, I don't want to take it out mid season and crash and break my hand or something stupid. So, yeah. Um, save that for off season. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's pretty much, pretty much it. Just love doing those things. Maybe some random hikes here and there. I used to ski a, a fair bit more, but now, um, start training, you know, start training pretty soon, like November, December, you're already kind of rolling. So it's nice to be in Tucson by then. And yeah, um, yeah. Still try and sneak out and go ski here and there if I can go home for Christmas or whatever, but great answers. Well, yeah. Are your folks still in Park City? Yep. Yeah, they're still right in right in town. Well, you got a decent backyard to go ride in. 
Um, exactly. Okay. So wrapping up with three traditional questions. Number one place, your favorite place to ride a bike. What is the number one place you want to ride a bike that you've never ridden? And with whom, living or otherwise, who's somebody you want to go ride on a bike, go on a bike ride with? I mean, my favorite place is probably here. I think mountain bike, road bike, all that. I think, I honestly, I think it's some of the best in the world and I, I love it. I mean, I've ridden and raced all over the place and it seems like it's quite hard to beat. That said, there are a few places I still would love to go ride. Um, I would love to ride my road bike in Europe. Uh, some of the, I, I'm always over there, ride my mountain bike on the road. I've ridden some of the cool climbs, you know, I've ridden like the Stelvio and Mm-hmm. some of those climbs around there that were close to some of the world cup venues we raced at. Nice. Um, yeah, it'd be fun to ride a road bike over there, get to experience some more of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and who would I like to ride with? Man, that's a good question. I've never even, never really thought about that. <laughs> huh. Not trying to put you on the spot. You can say like Kermit yeah. the frog or. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the frog would be pretty cool if you get around the bike <laughs> honestly uh oh, man i i have no idea <laughs> just as good quite all right um well it is july 15th as of this recording i will be down here in the the thick air of vermont right up until uh uh leadville i'm just coming right up but i trust day before yeah i'm doing the, the last minute arrival thing we host our event rooted vermont uh it's gonna be july 31st this year so and then we start a van trip so not only will i be coming from thick air but i'm also going to be in a car for like a week leading up to it so needless to say i'll be fresh and ready to go and we're going to have a stomping yeah, race it'll be fine yeah exactly yeah. um sweet keegan i appreciate you taking the time massive congratulations on a stunning year so far and years thank you in our recent past uh See you in Leadville, man. Yeah, we'll see you there. Have a good trip. Thank you. We'll see you. All right, appreciate it.